All right, hello everyone. John here with the End of Effort Podcast. Today's interesting. Uh, every day is interesting when you live in the now. Uh, it's it's never dull. There's never a dull moment, even though your ego loves to lie to you, saying that you're bored or nothing going on, nothing happening. That's just something being dismantled in you that tries to live in the past or the future. We understand that, right? But when you live in the now and you really you really take this moment to dial in to feeling the oneness that you have with love, the oneness that you have with God himself and, and, and sensing his pulse on every little nuance. It takes time to do this, of course, for some. Others pick up on it right away because they're very sensitive. They're empath. They're empathetic towards feeling things easier than others. They're sensitive to it. So whatever the case may be, it could take some time to develop and hone into that. But when you do, you see, you know that God is always at rest. There's a great scripture in the Passion Translation, also the message, uh, Hebrews 4.10, that says, God himself is at rest. Okay, we're talking about New Covenant and even the Old in Psalms where he says he sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies, holds them in derision. Psalms 1 and a few other places where he talks about the seating of the throne. And when we're in the seated place in our lives, spiritually speaking, when we live and dwell far above principalities, powers, might and dominion, all the warfare that's going on in the world today, when we live in that place inside of us in an ascended state, you know, again, this is takes practice to do this. But what, the, the easiest way is through surrender and soaking. And when we do that, it, it, it really causes us to reprogram the neurological system and reprogram our minds to the mind of Christ and where he lives and dwells and moves and has his being inside of us. He's seated. It is finished. He's done with it. Okay, so he's seated having taken captivity captive. He has taken the, the, the keys, stripped him from darkness and hell and the grave and all the rest. And he's seated. Where? Inside of us and us and him. Intertwined. We're one. There's no separation. So because that is true, then, then there's, there, there's nine elements that always flow in that state of being. They're, they're foundational in how they operate. They're the nine fruit of the Spirit. And so when we live and abide and move and have our being and flow each and every day in the foundation of righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. What that means is it's he's post-cross now, after the cross, it is finished. Lifestyle looks a lot like He's brought us into right standing, righteousness, okay? That's faith and trust in the finished work because it's already done. So that's righteousness. And justice could equate to the nine fruit of the Spirit in operation towards mankind. Have you ever noticed that mercy triumphs over judgment today? If he wanted to, he could wave his little tiny, little, little part of his little pinky. <laughs> it's big pinky, but... You get what I'm saying. He could wave it in the smallest sense and wipe out all violence, wipe out all abuse, wipe out every dark thing on the planet and in the cosmos. He could do that with the with the twinkle of an eye. But yet he doesn't. 
Why is that? Because he doesn't want to override the will of man that he gave free will to. That's not love when you control and dominate a life. That's called dictatorship, authoritarianism, autocratic nature, and you can list a whole host of other things, okay? So love does not demand its own way. So when you look at the foundation of his throne, post-crossed existence is where we dwell and live in, again, then it's already made right by the cross in Calvary, and we're operating in and through the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sure that some of us would agree on that, and others you might have to wrap your gourd around it for a little bit and let the mind of Christ soak in and saturate, which is fine. It takes, it takes a whole lifetime for some folks. Why? Because we're so bent on survival mentalities that want to fight everything. We want to fight for justice. We want to fight for the downtrodden. We want, to, we want to deal with the bully right away. And we want to go after those that are hurting others. And there is nothing wrong with thinking and feeling that way. With one caveat. However, since mercy triumphs over judgment, okay, mercy encompasses us and it follows us all the days of our life. Why does it follow us? Because it's waiting for us to turn and surrender to it. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because it's always present for when we turn from our survival fight, flight, and freeze mentality and we cast ourselves headlong into surrender to goodness and mercy. That's why it's following us. If it was leading us, then uh, things would be much different. But it follows us. Why? It's taking the posture of unconditional love because unconditional love does not force itself down your throat or upon your will to get you to do anything. Have you noticed that? He's not making, God is not making you do anything. I know the ego loves to lie to us and say, no, 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 God made me. Just like they say, the devil made me or my impulses made me do this or do that, right? But the truth of the matter is, love does not demand its own way. Fruit of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 13. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, long-suffering, long-suffering for some of us, right? So, because we abide in that state of mind, right? As a believer, believing believer of Christ, not talking about religion or even the religion of Christianity. We're talking about being a follower of Christ in oneness with him. Following his leads, prompts, and, and, and emotion, and his love, and his guidance, and, and all of the wonderful things that he is, right? We follow him. No formulas, no doctrinal issues, no doctrinal formulatic things. No, it's just we follow him. We have a relationship with him intertwined in oneness. So because that's the case, we have not only the ability, but we have the duty out of a heartfelt oneness, because we're in love with him, to wait upon him when it comes to any social justice issue, anything that could potentially cause harm to ourselves or others because we're moving out of a passion that is indoctrinated by our egoic, egoically religious trained self. So, in other words, to bring it down a level, 
again, it's most Christians have this thing in them that says, I have got to go and do something about that now. Because we're feeling something, right? We're feeling this passion. We're feeling this, this inner, inner turmoil. And then we don't know how to sort out those feelings from what is really the foundation of what God is leading us by. Or is that our own emotion mixed with some kind of abuse or trauma or something that happened in my childhood? And so therefore I need justice in this. Now we may not say that because we could have a repressed memory in this by our egoic way, our egoic nature. And by the way, ego, ego in itself is not evil. It can be. But ego in itself, in, in a balanced sense, if you will, is just taking care of yourself. That, that is the, the ego that says, okay, I'm in line and following spirit. I'm not letting my ego lead me. But when ego is left unchecked and it grows into this nature that looks more like the works of the flesh, now we start seeing issues because then that's when it's all about me. It becomes narcissistic. It's, it's my way or the highway, you know, and then we, we, we get ourselves into trouble that way, right? But when it's in a healthier sense of the spirit leading the show, and we've got, you know, just righteousness and, and justice, the fruit of the Spirit as our foundation. We're being led by Him. Then it's in its proper order. Spirit first, egoic self last. Okay? So, because we're balanced that way or we're maturing into that, right? We're maturing into that then everything's an inquiry of the Lord. Here's, a, here's an example. David inquired the Lord five times. Should I go after these guys that took my family from me? Okay. Should I go after them, Lord? He, 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 he asked the Lord and he inquires five times so that grace itself could lead and empower him to go do what he needed to do to get his family. And it would show him favor as he came on the scene to where the hearts of men turned without even their will wanting to, to cough up or give up David's family. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're talking about an, an Old Testament theology or an Old Testament mindset that went in and, and killed took out, wiped out the evil, wiped out the sin and all that kind of stuff. Well, now we don't do that, right? We don't, even though our nature would want to do that, sometimes we don't do that. Of course we know why, right? I mean, his nature, we have a new nature. All things are new. All things have become new because he went and they took, took and put him on the cross. And it was an ultimate expression of saying, look, I can call down legions of angels and take care of this, but I'm not going to go and, and, and uh, go against the will of man that says something contrary to what I gave in the beginning, which was free will because of love. So because that's the case, Jesus willingly laid down his life for the religious folk to take it. See, because the extremities of ego, when it goes to its uttermost, guttermost, when it goes to the pendulum swing of law-driven mentalities and mindset of it's all about me, it's all about me. It doesn't want to hear about an unconditional love that is not judging, that is not casting forth judgment upon him, right? Mercy, in other words, intertwined with that unconditional love, the egoic self in its fully expressed nature does not know how to deal with that. 
Case in point here with the prodigal son. Okay, He was bent on doing what he wanted to do. He wasn't ready to come home until he came to the end of his egoic self. And he said, all right, there is nothing left but to listen to and want and feel compelled by an unconditional love that is not judging me. If I run home to Papa, I know that he's not going to judge me. He knew his father. See, and this is why you have people, and I did this myself when I was in flat-out rebellion years ago. I didn't want to be around my uncle at the time because he was righteous. He was he was a he was a man of God. He was you know he was a pastor and filled with love and kindness and grace and all those good things. And I didn't want to be anywhere around him. Why? Because it convicted me, and I wasn't ready. My egoic self was not ready. I was still manifesting. Okay, so. So when you look at it that way, just think about what it means to be fueled by emotion that could have a mixture in it, okay, that is fallen in a fallen sense. It's the ego dismantling, but it's manifesting and it's still very much alive, but it's still manifest. So when it does that, it starts doubling down on what it wants, Okay? And because our egoic nature, our self, is wired that way when we give into it, then we want what we want and we want it now. And that can go for calling. It can go for justice issues. It can go for things that we really feel passionate about. And so what do we do? We give into that and we call it God. See, remember, David inquired five times by an unction outside of himself. Holy Spirit came upon. Spirit of God came upon. We have the indwelling in oneness. And so, even more so, we would do ourselves a whole lot of good by sitting and soaking and stilling ourselves to know, still yourself, and know that He is God. What that means is, know that He is opening doors before you. Know that He's leading you in the way because you live in the moment. You live in the now. You live in the present. And then when we do, and we have those, those beautiful foundations of the nine and mercy working in and through us, then we can be led in that arena, that calling, that justice thing, whatever it is, we can have an assurance that he is opening the way for that versus just being passionate about it and a mixture at hand. Why is this so important, friends? It's very important because people have gotten killed going out in the name of God, in the name of justice, in the name of passion. And they've gotten themselves killed, literally. Okay, And it happens too often when people run up a mountain. You want to talk about seven mountains. They run up this mountain of influence in the, in the spheres of influence of the world. I'm going to go and create a movie. I'm going to Hollywood. I remember this case. It reminds me. And I've mentioned this before. But I dated a girl years ago in the 90s and I was in it was in the Hollywood area serving in a ministry there. And we all lived in we're volunteering and lived in the in this in this um, converted uh, hospital. And we stayed in these little rooms and it was all volunteer. And I remember this this girl that I dated for a short time. Now, you can't even call it dating, though. We were just we were friends and we thought it would be more, but it wasn't. And she really, really wanted to be an actor. And after talking for a while, I found out, I'm just like, whoa, she is not called to the movie. You just, you know how you just know sometimes? Well, I knew because the spirit of God was illuminating it to me, 
But out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So all you got to do is sit and listen for a while. Come to find out she was trying to prove something to mommy and daddy and wanted to be somebody. And she just really liked movies. But you could tell when she would engage in that arena, there was no anointing there. You, If you have any discernment at all, you can tell. Now, there's a difference between that and somebody that's really called that doesn't have a clue about it, but you can tell there's something on them for it. There's something in them that's coming out of their heart, right? And you can tell they just need to, to learn and grow and, and uh, educate themselves by the Spirit while they're in the industry and learn from the greats, learn from the mentorships and all that kind of stuff, right? By being immersed in it. There's a difference between that and someone that doesn't have the anointing on their lives. It's, you see it everywhere. You see it all the time. And I gave the example before about people that go on to these competition shows, you know, like uh, America's Got Talent. You know, it should be, it should say, you know, America wants to to be something that they might not be. (laughs) You know, you can see where somebody really has it and like, ooh, man, they're called to that. Wow. They were born for this. They were born for this. I was born for this right here. Say it till the doubt disappears. <laughs> anyway, that song, I like that song. Anyway, um, got lost for a minute there in it. You can tell. You can just tell when somebody is really has the juice on them for it. I mean, they've been appointed and born for it. And then there's others that just want to do it because it's something they've always wanted to do and they're passionate about it. And they're like, man, I'm going to do this and I'm really born for this. And then you come to find out like they get on the voice and they open their mouth and they're, they're just raving about themselves right beforehand. And they're raving to the show host. They're raving to Carson Daly. They're raving to Simon Cal- or not Simon Cal, but uh, Blake Shelton and all this kind of stuff. Right. And they're, they're, uh, they're just saying, oh man, you know, I, I just can't think about anything else. And you know, my friend, my mama, my, my granddaddy and, and my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my wife, my, my husband, they all say that, man, I was born for this. And then they get out there and they open their mouth and you're like, oh, Lord, you are no more called to this than the rock than a physical rock wanting to be a waterfall. Okay? So it's like, and this is not judging, guys. This is reality. This is this is like, you got to be honest with yourself. And the only way you really do that to know the true inward nature of truth speaking to you, back to you is to still and calm yourself and soak for a while each and every day so that you know what's true and you know what's fiction, okay? You know what's reality and what is just an illusion. Because you steal yourself and then things bubble up inside of you that not only need to dispense and go away, God removes them from our lives when we do that, but also to see what comes up before you that really ignites and bears witness with your spirit man, your inner inward self, the truth of who you are. See, the, the, the thing that you were made for from the beginning of time, the, 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 the assignments, if you will, that you said yes to, that you've been appointed for. That doesn't mean that everybody is just an awesome singer 
because there's some amazing singers out there that are truly anointed. The key is, do you know what it is that the Lord is leading you into? Or are you just desiring and dreaming for something that you really feel you're right? And everyone around you is like, well, I don't know. I don't know, you know, because they're too afraid to tell you the truth. If you can't sing or dance or create a movie in Hollywood or act, right? So I, I think this is important for several reasons. You know, we can try things just to see, oh, you know, I thought I'd like it and I don't. I, I would suggest that if you have a, uh, you know, if you're not going to spend a ton of money, but sometimes a ton of money needs to be spent to find out the hard way, right? That you're not called to it or you are called to it. Uh, so, you know, to try it out because you feel a desire and you're not really hearing God clearly and you want to try something, well, you know, by all means, if it fits, if it fits the, the moment and the time and, you know, you got the money or whatever or the faith to step into it and find out. But an easier way, a more effortless way is to wait upon the Lord. And I'm not just saying sitting there on the couch forever. I'm saying you have a conversation and then silence yourself to listen each and every day to let something overtake your life. There's the difference. See, whenever God has been so faithful with this, whenever I've been called to something, like to put my hand to an assignment, put my hand to something, I, I've, and I haven't been perfect to this, guys. I've grown. We all grow. We all mature. But even more so lately, I'd say, okay, I'm going to wait upon you, Lord. If it is you, let it overtake me in some small sense to some large sense. It doesn't matter. I just want to know that you are actually leading me into this rather than me kicking doors down to get in. This is, this is, I'm telling you guys, this is so opposite of what a lot of Christianity teaches because they say, man, go after it. You need to kick those doors down and you need to just grab it by the horns and have violent faith and you just storm the gates of hell and you call down fire where you need to and pull down all these principalities and powers, might and dominion because after all, if anything's opposing you, it's hell itself. It's the devil. And so we pray those things and we decree those things and we pull down strongholds that may not even be there. I've said it so many times before, but I believe it more now than ever because we have an illusionary mind called the egoic self that's left unchecked along with the religious doctrine that's, that's off. And so those two combined trying to lead the show in prayer, trying to lead the show in a cause, trying to, to move forward and compel us to go after a justice, this or that. And man, is it dangerous because we can, we can actually be thrust into an arena that we were never designed to be in. And I know this opposes some people think, well, God, you know what? Christ makes, he, he just, I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So that somebody will sit there and say, oh, I can be an astronaut or I can be an NBA player or I can be, you know, I can go be a billionaire. And then they have all these dreams and they crash and burn because they try to do something that they weren't designed for. Or then they lose a desire for it after a while. It's like, this is too hard. Well, if it's too hard and you keep saying that, chances are you're not aligned for it. You weren't designed for it. There's a big difference between that and you being called to something and you're in it for the long haul. And you know that there's going to be some difficulty and challenge in that, right? Just because we live in a fallen world. But inwardly, it's effortless. 
inwardly there's a flow there. You're in the zone and you're flowing and you're just going and you're like, man, I can do this all day long, even though I'm being challenged by other people. Situations, circumstances, systems, protocols that are in the world embedded and ingrained from decade to decade, those things come up and they challenge us, right? And even, you know, say you were born to be an Olympian in some sport, right? And you're born for that and you know it and everybody else knows it. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some, some sweat that way, right? Getting into shape, you sweat. But it's effortless inwardly. Because you know you were born for it. See the difference? Your spirit is flowing out of the belly, flows rivers of living water and an effortless ability. But your outer man is living in a fallen world. And it argues with you. <laughs> the egoic self argues with the reality of who you are and your flow and your effortless ability. That's why the spirit must lead in order for effortlessness to flow in every arena, even though persecution, challenges, and adversity arise from time to time, right? Anyway, so when you're in flow, when you're in that state because you've sat and you've saturated and you've listened and you've lived in the now and you're, you're anchoring yourself in love, when that is alive and well and we're being led by spirit, then when something arises by way of a cause or, or some kind of a social justice issue, it will be infused with the fruit of the Spirit to invite people in to transform instead of cramming and jamming some agenda down their throat and calling it God. See, this is where evangelism gets off. And it's been manipulated and skewed and diluted and mixed at every level. Because you have some folks in religion land that will say you need to get out there and win souls no matter what. Just get out there and win souls, win souls, win souls. The days are short and the days are dark. And then the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And man, we need to get out there and win souls, win souls, win souls. And so you've got the evangelist on a kick telling out, telling everybody to go win souls right now. Well, truth of the matter is, is that not everybody sees it your way. You're operating out of your own paradigm. No, this is God, John. No, it's your paradigm. And there may be some God in there. No, this is all 100% God, John. You need to go win souls just like I do. You remember the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You need to do it exactly like my pastor says or my denomination says. No, I don't. And neither do you. That's the beauty. How you need to, you know, and, and really should um, look at this thing, you know, need and should, you, you do whatever you want. I'm just throwing those words out there for the sake of the listener because we're used to those words. Really, need and should is nowhere in the unconditional love language. It's just in our, our phileo uh, sense and ability of what we convey to people. You should do this. You need to do this. You have to do that. Need, should, have to are not found in unconditional love. Because it's all I want to, I get to. Because I'm I'm head over heels in love, right? So when we live out of that flow and we're actually in a calling or a cause or whatever it may be, and we're expressing the maturity 
of the foundations of his throne of rest. Righteousness, because he already took care of it. And the fruit of the spirit, justice. When we're operating out of that seating, then the anointing goes ahead of us to touch a life, to cause them to open their ears and listen, because that person that just showed up is in their seating. They're in their seating of their agreement to what they agreed to in the Trinitarian dance before the foundation of the world. That beautiful, wonderful dance of oneness before the beginning of time. So they're in their seating and there's this confidence that's not theirs, right? It's a supernatural ability. There's this love that oozes and goozes 15 feet or more out so that it attracts. And then the wisdom pours forth in a way that invites everyone to hear that comes to the party. And it grips their attention to say, ooh, there's someone different that just showed up. That is not a religious zealot that's out for themselves trying to gain something through another notch in their belt to appease somebody else in their four walls. No, this is a different person. This is a, wow, is that a son or a daughter of God rising in the earth? See, because when you're a son or a daughter of the Most High, when you're a son or daughter of 100% unconditional love then you have no agenda other than to just live and move and have your being in oneness with the dance and when that comes out it extends mercy and it triumphs over the judgment they're feeling about themselves and over the judgment that everyone else has placed on them as well okay so they're judging with an unrighteous judgment because it's everything's according to the appearance of man. And when you're operating out of that, then you're going to look at everyone as a threat, or at least some, okay? A lot of people are paranoid schizophrenic right now because of what's happening in the world, the COVID world. Everybody's on edge. They're freaked out. They're living in fear and one wrong move, and boy, you are toast. I was just at the post office today, and this lady, you know, they have these bright yellow strips that are six feet apart, Okay, and you can tell they're six feet apart. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that they're six feet apart. And I'm quite sure that the government, the U.S. Post Office, is going to measure six feet apart. I'm quite sure of that. Could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure. So this lady standing in front of me, she's not even she's about six inches off that yellow line in front of me. And I come and stand about six inches in back of the yellow line that's in back of her, right? So I'm clearly six feet behind her. She goes, all the, the only thing she does, she turns and looks at me right when I step up there and she goes, six feet away, please. No, she didn't even say please. She goes, six feet away. And I, I looked at her and I looked down and I go, looks like six feet to me. And she goes, whatever. And she turns back around and I said, well, you, would you like me to step 12 feet back? I mean, I, I can do that. And then she just shakes her head. And, and it's like, I wasn't trying to be rude. I I just was saying, okay, well, this is six feet. See, people are on edge and they're fearful and they're scared of something that's an illusionary made up thing in their mind, thinking that they're going to die if they're not six feet away. Look, I had a mask on. She had a mask on. This thing is getting out of hand, I tell you, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it get to me. Not going to do it. And we shouldn't either. Nobody should. Really? Because 
guys, God knew this was going to happen before it happened. There is a underlying thing here that's causing us to rise, or it should be, rising inside of us to the seating. Because when we're in the seating, nothing can affect us. Internally, when we, we are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, far above warfare. All that principalities, powers, might, and dominion stuff, that's what he's talking about, is warfare in the lower planes, in the spirit world. See, if you mess around in the lower planes and the lower abode of the demonic, then of course you're going to get caught up in your emotion to want to war something because you're caught up in the war of the presence of those entities, right? Of the darkness that's surrounding. And, and really, we should be looking at the darkness in a different way. We should be looking at this. Listen, God created light and dark. And Isaiah, Isaiah 45, 15, I am the Lord that created the darkness. Okay. And so when you look at it from a different perspective, then you are loved beyond comprehension in the darkness. Okay. We, we love the dark areas around our lives. We send love to it. And when we do that, when we send love to ourselves in every condition that we're in, when we send love, then something miraculous changes. Light begins to overshadow the dark. The light turns on, in other words, and that's awareness into conscious realities of Christ. That is the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is 100% ultraviolet illumination. Ultraviolet is the highest form of light. So it becomes an illumination of understanding, a revelation floods in, and then we're in the abode of the seating of the heavenly places within us. And that is pure light. That's all light. Heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven dwells where? It, it lives on the earth. We dwell in it and in, in us. We're one with it. So there's light flooding our very lives constantly, 100% of the time. It's the illusionary things surrounding it that lie to us that say that we're not made of light or we're not operating out of light. The truth is we are always operating out of light. It's the fallen sense in our mentality of egoic stances. The, the unconscious world of that condition that lies to us and says that you are jacked up. You're messed up. There's something wrong with you. You're filled with darkness. You're full of sin. You'll never get it right. You'll never make the mark. You'll never ever do this and that because you're a loser. Well, that's all an illusion. That's It's all a lie. It's all an illusion. So when we operate from the seating and we go into a cause or a call and we know that it's the Lord leading us there, then there's a calmness in the passion. See, you can have passion and there's a, there's a calmness that brings a level-headedness to you that knows what the next move is. And that, that's called patience. That's called gentleness. That's called kind. That's called being as wise as a serpent and yet as harmless as a dove. See, it waits. It waits for the moment to act. Jesus and Lazarus. There's many examples, but Jesus and Lazarus comes to mind. He's waiting, harmless as a dove wise as a serpent. I only see and do those things which I see the the fully lit world doing, the God, my Father, the, the, the seeding 
I'll only do those things which I see my father and oneness doing because I'm in the seating in heavenly places. And from the seating, you can look down on the inside of you and you can see the warfare of the lower nature. And you can see what's really going on when you wait and watch and listen. And you'll know when to act. You'll know when to strike. You'll know when to take the next step. And sometimes, friends, that is not always what you first thought. It's way better. It's way better. Say you have a, you feel an unction inside of you. And you're just like, oh, this is God. I've got to move to this place and join this ministry. I've got to go and feed the homeless children of the world. I've, I need to go help the, the poor little girls that are being trafficked. I've got to, you know, go help and feed the homeless because they're starving. I've got to do something about all this violence in the world and all these protests. I'm going to join this, this group and that group. And so we feel compelled out of emotion because we're listening to egoic talking heads in the news and they're, they're stirring the pot inside of us. They're stirring it up. And see, when you stir something up, you mix things, right? But if there's purity, you can't really stir it up. You stir it up, it's just the same substance. Get what I'm saying? See, when we operate out of the pure flow of the nine fruit, there is no mixture. There is no shadow of turning. There is no law. Okay, meaning there is no egoic nature pressing against that and forcing the, your way. Okay, you're led. You're not forced. You're led. You're not pushed. You're not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. The fruit of the Spirit's not in a hurry. Did you ever notice that? All nine attributes are not in a hurry. But the works of the flesh is. It's impulsive. It's, it has to have its own way, you know? It's, it's outbursts of wrath. It's parties, dissensions. It's, it's man, I, gotta, I, need, I have to get my needs met now. And so you can see the clear contrast between the two. So I'm going to drop it right there. Some, some thoughts, some food for thought for you. And I'll pick it up again. And we'll talk a lot more about this. But it just, just really started coming and speaking to my heart today about, yeah, you know, some of the things we do, some of the things we do. And, and you know, again, it's not as if God can't bless some of it. And he, he will because he loves you. But I tell you what, it'll be like walking through wet cement if you're not aligned for it, if you're not called to it. It'd be like walking through wet cement for years to come if you try to stay in that baby. See, that's what happens a lot in religion. We just think it's the way. So we're going to keep forging through in our intercessory deeds. We keep pushing and forcing and pushing and forcing. And then we're wondering like we're just dead inside. Right? You ever felt that way? You ever been there? <laughs> I have too many times to count because of religion. What I thought was true. What I thought to be the right thing. And it's not as if God didn't do some things in there because he did. He, Man, some people got healed and lives transformed and all that. But I was, I was dying inside. Yep, dying. But man, I tell you, when you reverse this thing and you go to the seating and you wait and you watch and you see a thousand miles down there because you're way above all the chaos and the warfare inside of yourself. You go, whoa, wow, I can see clearly now that the warfare is gone. All right, guys, love you. We will chat soon. Please share this if you feel so inclined to do so. And we'll catch you on the next one.